Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the show, guys. We have a super episode for you today. VC, the vegan cyclist, has joined us. Jesse is here, and we are going to talk about everything from six packs to US gravel racing, A2 or Division 2. How long should your bib shorts last? And YouTube sellouts. Do you have two of them here? Let's find out. Right, so I want to talk a little bit about racing, boys, some of our own racing. Now, I've been doing some crits recently, and I've noticed the um, establishment of this thing called the A2 grade. I'm going to be in that place, probably, dropping down a grade in the next five, two, one year. I don't know. We've got some races that has A, A2, A Masters, Super Masters, then B grade. So there's like four variations of A, which I don't understand because we had A, B, C, D, E. So I don't understand if you don't want to do A grade because the race is going to be too hard, just do B grade. That's that's so weird because when you guys mentioned that, I actually was like, that's a great idea. Uh, I, I like the idea of A2. Uh, in America, it's uh, cat one, two, three, four. And here's been my frustration with the way we do it in America is that there's cat one, there's cat two, there's cat three, there's cat four. Most of the time, the top level race is category one, two, three. Oh, all, you're in the all, same race. All in the same race, scored the way you race. So you don't get scored separately. So if you're a cat three, you don't, and you get 10th, but you're the first cat three, eat shit. You got 10th, right? Like it, it doesn't work that way. So then when I get to be a two, category two, now every race is one, two. So you, if you want to go find a category two only race, that is like the highest level racing. That is the major stage races. That is it. You will never find a local cat two only. Now, sometimes you'll do a, they'll do a cat two, three or one, two, you know what I mean? But so if I, so then if I'm a cat two and I'm racing against a cat one, which is a pro essentially. So Justin Williams comes with his whole team Legion. I'm a two. And I get first out of the twos, but I get 22nd. I got 22nd. That makes it so, so much more so, interesting. I love we're, that. We're so soft I here. love that. That is so American. It's awesome. <laughs> I want that here. I just love the fact that it's just, who cares? They're here. You're here. Toughen up. Race it. We, we are so soft here. We have like split it all up because everyone, oh, anyway, everyone has to make, everyone has to feel like they've all had a good race. And everyone, everyone's 
okay, those those races that you're turning up to with Justin Williams, you you know you're not going to win, right? Yeah, it might be a zero point whatever percent chance of you winning, but that doesn't zero, stop you. You're gonna zero, yeah. you're gonna turn up and you're gonna race, right? Like we would have no one turn up to a race if it was set up. Okay, uh, A, B, and C grade are all gonna race. Um, oh just no no B and C graders would turn up. I absolutely love shout to every B cat two and cat three and cat four rider is turning up and racing that. I don't know. Well, I see, love so that. they do it. They do it so because there's so few ones. Um, and depending on where you're racing, right? Like if you're in SoCal, it's a little bit different as a crit, but it's really difficult. If you're going to have a cat one only race, it needs to be something where you have a hundred people registered for it, because otherwise you're going to be like in NorCal. A lot of times there's three cat ones, there's five cat twos and seven cat threes. Well, let's stick them all together. Cat one, two, three. And now we actually have a race. Now, they do offer, and this is what I love about uh, crit racing versus road racing, is that I can, as a two, often race three times. I can do the, the one, two, three masters. So that's uh, 30 plus, right? Or 35 plus. I think they switched it to 30 plus. But anyways, I can do one, two, three masters. I could potentially do two, three open and one, two open. Right. So then I get a chance to race three times, which is a ton of fun. That's sick. So the, what you described is actually the rationale behind A2. So I, I spoke to a lot of the guys who were racing A2 who, mind you, want it called Division 2. I should point out none of those guys are like, we need our A, we need A to be in there. Because that was initially my thought was just like, oh, like get over it, guys. Like, why do you need A in this? Just call it B. They, they have no issue with that. Happy to call it Div 2. But the rationale behind A2 existing is depending on who turns up, right? So let's say there is an A-grade field, but then Legion and another team turn up. Then all of a sudden what happens is the guys who are kind of just hanging on to A-grade don't race A-grade. They then go and race B-grade, but then they're too strong for B-grade. So it becomes this, oh, what are we going to do? We will now create uh, A2. Whereas when Justin Williams' team doesn't turn up, then they all just hold on. You can you can as you can as an A grader sign up for a B grade. Correct. Well, that's what that's how it should be. If you rock up and there's like three national teams there, you should just move down to B grade because the A grade is going to be too hard. You, they shouldn't just create another category for because that's just making B grade. Everyone should just sort of shift, and which naturally happens anyway. It's like it's, if it's a harder race, but it always gets a better turnout. Most people naturally self-select down a grade anyway because they know. They're not going to be competitive. I was going to say, I, I think that, that I liked the idea because then if you have, because okay, in America, there is no, there, there's, there's cat one and then there's UCI level, right? I mean, if you have these huge teams come over, that's what they're racing uh, at like the local level. Um, and so, you know, Zwift did a plus. And so that would, it might sound better instead of a two, you did a plus and that is like, if you have a, a, an international license, you know what I mean? Then you're racing a plus, I think then that kind of makes it more fair and they can all race together, but maybe pick them separately. You know, let me, let me try to just yeah. ride their train all the way to the finish. And, and maybe I get seventh, uh, but I was the first in a, or, you know, cat two or whatever, then pick me separately. Now I, I don't, 
I don't like the whole triathlon side of things where they're like, everyone gets a podium. That's a, that's annoying to me. You know, I also don't even like the five man podium. Like, look, a podium is three, like one, two, three. Uh, I, let's, let's not have 15 podiums of 25 guys, a podium, you know, I mean, I understand that that's fun to post on the Instagram, but like, let's make it prestigious. So I kind of look at it. I'm like, okay, which, what, what's going to get more people to turn up and race? Cause uh, you know, ultimately that's, I suppose what we want, right? What's going to get more people to race. And yeah, the easy, the easy kind of thing to say is, oh, more grades gives more people sort of decisions to what to race. It's more inclusive. That's all good. But I'd sort of argue that it's actually kind of exclusive to the elite guys and, you know, whatever people will not like me saying that, but I look at just the local situation that I have here and there is particularly one or two guys who will turn up to an A-grade race that I have been done, been doing who do change that dynamic. They hold UCI licenses. Not, we're not talking about teams turning up. We're talking about literally a couple of individuals. And they were, well, they were kind of almost banned from turning up because they were ruining the race by being sort of too strong. I kind of look at it like there is, this is like an honour to have these guys turn up and race and at our local club race next week, they're going to do tour of Taiwan, tour of Japan, whatever it might be. And to have them turn up to our race is like, wow, this is fantastic. Do you know? Yeah. But I think you, you guys are being way too nice to the, there are guys out there who are deathly afraid of having to drop down to B grade for fear of having to be called a B grader, which I, I, I don't understand if anything, B grade should be the bad, a badge of honor because A graders are all a bit cooked in the head, aren't we? We're all a bit weird. To me, being the B grader and you ride, you know, you do your eight, 10 hours a week and you've actually got a life balance, fair play and you go and race. What, this idea that you're, you know, a B grader is not as good. If anything, I'm a, I'm a bit jealous. It's like that, they're the ones that have it good because they've got a bit of balance to, to what they're doing. So I, I don't get the guys that are, um, you know, afraid of being called a B grader. See, I don't think that's the vibe here in America. You, you, I don't ever, or at least I, but I don't see it as people look at the categories as lesser. Um, like if you win, look, winning a bike race is hard as shit. It doesn't matter what category you're in, right? So if you, if someone goes and, you know, wins the cat four race, it's like, dang, dude, that's awesome. Like, good job. You know, matter, it doesn't matter. Like winning a cat four race or winning the pro race is still prestigious um and no, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> maybe uh, it, it may be an aussie thing i reckon it's just you know oh, i'm a cat too you know it's a fl- like okay that's not everyone but i mean there's definitely people that are look that look down upon a lower a lower grade it's a badge of honor i'm a i'm an a grade yeah no i'm not b grade i'm i'm an a grade Wait, so yeah. what what we're finding here a bit is like, uh, yeah, the road racing thing is kind of happening as well, but there's this kind of under, like undertone of fondos that are turning into races a bit and, you know, a, a little bit like, okay, Kaiser wasn't, wasn't a race, but it is time. It's, it's a race. And you Dude, are if it's a start line like, and a finish line, it's a race. Correct. And that that's sort of happening a bit here with like the fondos that are turning into these like quasi kind of road racing are you are you seeing a bit of that there as well i mean that's how it's been for a while yeah okay. i love a fondo right like 
it's so fun because it's a super long road race that if you have a bat, you know, if you get dropped out or if you have a flat, you still get an enjoyable day. And I think that's really comes again, why gravel is such a hit is that regardless of your finish, you're riding in a cool place for a long time and there's support. But I'm all about doing some crazy, you know, eight hour Fondo and just being on the rivet the entire time. Now there is a, a format called the hammer format or, you know, segments, which is so much fun. And that it's where there's only a select few timed segments that you race. And then your combined time over those segments is what gets you the podium. And that is the absolute way to do it because then, okay, you do a 120 mile course, maybe 20 miles of its racing could even be less. Uh, so I did the Oat route San Francisco and they had four timed segments each day. Um, there was a climb, there was a descent, there was a sprint. And so then you just accrued this time. But then when you're not on that race segment, it was very clearly, you know, marked, then you're just hanging out and you're just riding with the crew and you stop at the rest stops and you enjoy the scenery. But it's also that like you're in the group and then guys are getting dropped and okay, I'm, I'm ahead of them now. And then you bar to bar with someone else. If you're just timing segments, you kind of kind of lose that because some bloke could just be like bombing from and he's half an hour behind you. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, I think I won. And then just some blokes just like ran yeah, through the Yeah, that, that, could, that could happen, but it doesn't really because drafting. And so you have like the fast, like a fast group that you want to try to stay with. Um, but- you know, this is what's so wild about cycling is that everyone wants something different from it. So then trying to change the industry or give your feedback is so hard because that's what you want. But that and then maybe that's what your friends want, but that's not what everyone wants. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I, I show up to an event and people want something that I'm like, why would you even why would this even be a thing you guys want to do? Uh I'm so not into that. Well, that's even you look at the three of us, we all have different takes on all these things. No, Tyler, then you have to convince them that they're wrong. You don't yeah. just accept it. <laughs> yeah. of it. All right. Well, on that, guys, let us know down below. Are we all wrong? What do you want from Fondo's races? A2 races, are they just glorified B graders who just need to toughen up and accept it? Let us know down below. I'm sure you will. Now, I saw some great comments there the other week when we talked about secondhand bibs. And there was a cracking one. There was a group of guys who were doing a mountain bike enduro. And I don't know why, but part of their thing was they would swap bib shorts. So they each did eight-hour stints on the bike. And then they would swap bib shorts, choosing not to be the fourth rider in that particular scenario. But it does bring up another bib short-related question that I wanted to ask you boys to start with. How you buy a new pair of bibs, how long do you expect them to last? Very difficult calculation for me because whoever runs one pair of bib shorts, usually you've got like, I mean, I've got, I think, five in rotation, but let's say you've got three or four. It's kind of hard to work out exactly how many wears you've got because you're cycling through them. But if I go for, so let's say a year, because being on teams, you get sort of restocked with kit and you would, you'd expect a year, I would say. It's a four bib shorts a year, so that's three three months of riding for a pair of bib shorts. Well, I'm 
kind of gross when it comes to that because I don't really care how beat up the bibs are. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no, I don't use chamois cream. I never have. And I, and I think that that's one why guys' bibs get all gross is because they're just lathering up cream and shit in there all the time. I use chamois uh, cream every so, ride. So wild. Like, that's so weird. But so, uh, you know, I, I, so I have bibs specifically for the type of riding I'm doing. So I have like an indoor training bib, right? And th those, it's actually kind of like when the bib starts to get old uh, or faded or worn out, that now goes to the, the trainer. Um, and I spend a lot of time with the trainer, so I don't wear out my good stuff. And then I have like my specific race kit, which I try to never wear. Uh, and then I'll have like training kits, you know, that I kind of keep in, in rotation. But, um, you know, I don't know. The, a good pair of bibs though, makes all the difference. So sometimes people, and, and I was this way when I first started riding, I bought some bibs off China, some China marketplace, like Alibaba for like 20 bucks. And I was like, why would I spend anything more? Like they're bibs, they cover my balls, that's it. But when you start to get into those $300 level bibs, you like they are good and they just give you a feeling sometimes where you want to ride like you want to keep riding in them the way they feel on you and so uh i've become sort of a connoisseur of ultra nice bibs and uh so want to ride the good stuff i reckon i reckon there's three there's three kind of like signs that your bibs are gone okay and a couple of them are sort of um are repairable but the first one is like the stitching right around the chamois on your crutch that stitching can go, right? You can get that repaired. I have no problems getting that repaired. Continue to ride. Happy days. Keep riding your bibs, okay? Get that repaired? Yeah, yeah. Quite the local yeah, seamstress. Yeah, just, just stitching. Get it in there. Get it. Fingers in the chamois. Yeah, just, well, mate, you're the one running <laughs> friggin' bloody second-hand ones going to last week. I feel like, but yeah, but that's to a cyclist. We kind of know what that is. I mean, like someone that has knows nothing about cycling is just handed this diaper-padded <laughs> pair of shorts. That might be a bit... I've got a relationship with my uh, local, local seamstress. Um, the other one is, there's two other ones. The others is the leg, the leg band when it does the fold up and if it really starts folding up, then I think she's gone. So, uh, that happens, I reckon a lot of the time on those cheap, um, the cheaper versions, you're, you're good. And then all of a sudden the leg band starts to fold up and you're gone. Now the third one. Okay. The third issue is a fully fatal. This is end of life. No further riding. And it is the see-through butt crack, okay? This came up in my feed, well, not the butt crack, but this issue, particular issue came up recently. I do follow a few sort of fashion groups on Facebook and one of them was, uh, what I named the brand? Oh, it was Black, Black Sheep Bib Shorts and it was six months old and there was the picture. I'll show it on the, on the screen, but just basically see-through butt crack. Now... That's a obviously out of completely end of life. Get get it get it done. How long would you expect? Because that's going to happen to every bib short. So, this guy that I was talking to, he reckoned six years. Six years. Six years is an acceptable amount of time for a pair of bib shorts. That blew my mind. That did. Yeah, blow but my dude, mind. at 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 six years, you're you're only finding out about it at six years. But you've been showing your ass crack for three. Did. Yeah. Just no one wants was, to tell you. That guy's smoking drugs. That's six. I, even when you said six months, I was like, yeah, but if you're riding them like three times a week, two times a week, 
six months, yeah, no, not especially if they were like a midline, mid 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 level sort of pair. I, I wouldn't be too. I don't know. I have a feeling we're way out of touch. I reckon the comments under this will be you guys kidding, you elitist cycling, absolute like get over yourselves six years minimum. I think this would be really interesting to see what people think on that because. And, um, and yeah. I, I will I will say on that that I feel like I've really tried to uh, stay grounded in in the my growth as an athlete and content creator, um, but I am so out of touch on what cycling kit costs and what it means to you uh, as a rider because I am constantly getting new kit all the time, uh, and so a lot of times I might only ride in a bib short like two or three times in the whole year. And then I'm like, I phase it out. And so I've always got a fresh, you know, a fresh bib on or a fresh jersey on. Um, so I've been actually trying to sell that stuff. I, this isn't a, a plug, but we do like a Monday blowout Well, you can plug sale. it. You just have to pay us. That's all. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do a Monday blowout sale uh, and I have all this kit that was like photo samples or photo assets uh, or team kit that like the logos don't matter anymore. And I only rolled them two or three times. And they're, you know, retail like $500 for a jersey and bib. And so I've just been blowing them out on there for like 10, 15 bucks and giving people I'm a chance to like get into. Well, I mean, you know, there's, again, like if they have, dude, you're not trying to sell something that's got some fungus, some last <laughs> of us growing in the bib, right? Okay. That like, there are bibs that I have that I would never sell because I, I feel like that's unethical to do that. I, I actually prefer bib shorts after like one or two months of wearing. I find once you get, because they're usually when you first get them, they're a bit compressive. And once that elastic has a, 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 couple of, a couple of months just to give way a bit, I find you get a little bit more out of the leg length. The way I run my bibs is almost to my knee. And yep. then the sleeve is almost to my elbow. Yep. As of where like back in the day, it used to be like short shorts and almost like a tank top. But I, I want the longest bib I can get and the longest sleeve I can get without it being pants and long sleeves. Agreed. hundred percent agree. Although I have, I, I don't like training in that kit though. So I like to have that as a race kit and then I'll have, okay, bib shorts down to the, like almost to the knees fine for training, but then like short, sh much shorter sleeve training Jersey. And then I'm good. I totally agree. The worst, the worst look though is on the skin suit, which always tends to happen or the speed suit where you do have the longer arms, but for some reason the skin suit always has the shorter legs. So if you're going to go short shorts, you've got to go short arms. You've got to balance it out. You can't have one or the other, in my opinion. I, have a, I don't know if it's a question, but I have a – maybe this is an admission and I'm, I, I need your help on this. Photographer took a picture of me racing Heffron this week. Cool picture. There I am racing my bike, right? And I had a look at it, and I'll show you this picture, um, Tyler, a bit later. I'm on a $20,000 bike. I've got the Factor Ostro Vam. I'm running ceramic speed jockey wheels. I'm running Durace. I'm running lightweight pedals. I'm running Power Weave bib shorts. I'm running Aero Helmet. I'm running the top of the line shoes, nimble shoes. I've got a 3D printed saddle. I've got fucking tubeless best wheels possible. Am I, am I a snob? I don't know if you think you need it. I think you've, 
I don't think you think you, you're wearing that expensive stuff. I think in your head, you're still Chris from five years ago on a team bike with, you know, a medium range sort of club kit. But you're, but you're not. I reckon because some of the chat you have, I'm like, Chris, you know, you're on like a $20,000 bike. Maybe you've, yeah, I think you've definitely, there's a bit of a disconnect. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this. So, uh, okay, I, I did a video uh, a while ago where I did a $100 bike versus a $1,000 bike versus a $10,000 bike. Now, everyone has done videos like this, but I set out and I did four courses, uh, different types of courses, climbing, flat, turning, descending. Um, and I did three efforts per bike on each one of those. And then I compared the times. I, I was like pretty scientific about it. The $100 bike was from Walmart, had like down tube shifters. The brakes were made of plastic. The, it, I would not even consider that cycling. It was, a, it was dangerous to your health. And like that is a, a commuter bike on a bike path. Do not take that on real roads. Okay. The $1,000 bike uh, was a Schwinn stock, you know, and then my $10,000 Canyon. It was so crazy to see that the difference in time, like the, the performance enhancement of a $10,000 bike was so marginal uh, that for most people, there is no reason to, to go to the $10,000 bike. And, you know, on the $1,000 bike, uh, it definitely got the job done. If the, the experience was very, very similar. Um, but that $10,000 bike kind of nice, you know? And so like, if you can afford it, uh, if that's what you choose to spend your money on, or if you're an annoying influencer and you get it all for free, then why not? Like, I don't think you're destroying the community. Like, I, I know that some people might feel bad, like, but you can't, you can't control how they feel when again, the margin of gain isn't that much. And I think that that's what saves it. It's almost makes you look dumb when you don't do well on the $20,000 setup with $10,000 on your body, right? Because if it made that big of a difference, that would be douchey that everyone's now, now you're forced to buy all this stuff, but you're not, dude, you could roll up on a thousand dollar bike in flat pedals and if you've got a motor, you're crushing. But see, I know you go. You don't have a motor. Yeah. You're racing on a flat, you know, Tuesday night Heffron against 80 kilo guys. You probably need that what down the straight in the tailwind. Otherwise, you're blown out the ass because everyone else is doing 600 watts. So, yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't I mean, change the experience, right? Like, okay, if you, if you win or you get 12th, like it doesn't really change the experience all that much. Like you can still, you still say I went cycling, right? You didn't do a different sport because your gear was bad, but having nice gear and having all the nice stuff makes for the experience to be more enjoyable longer. And so like, okay, electronic shifting, uh, tubeless tires, these, these are things like a bike fit. These are things now that have eliminated so many issues that I had when I was first started riding. Like how many snapped cable shifters, how many flats I would deal with, how many, you know, the shitty shifting, like that, that devolves the experience. So I would say if you're gonna spend money on something, spend the money and, and get the good stuff 
on what you're constantly messing with, right? So if you have a $20,000 frame, but you're on $10 Schwabby tires with a tube, like, dude, you're going to, you know what I mean? Like that's going to lessen the experience. The reality is that, yes, I like the nice stuff, et cetera, et cetera. You're probably right. A little part of me does think that like, I'm still kind of that guy from like five or six years ago, but I know, I reckon you're right. I reckon I know deep down, especially specifically about some of the crits here. I do need, I mean, I'm sorry. Like it is those couple of percent to, to actually make, or at least I, I feel that. Not many people have, have the ability or like they're not fast enough. They're not strong enough. They don't have enough experience to even know what the feeling is to go 1% slower or faster, but you do, you know what that feels like when you're at 400 Watts for 20 minutes, 402 Watts, that's six months of training. So if yeah, you if you can put on a new set of wheels to give you that, you know what that feels like. You know the amount of work that it would take to go that little bit further. So, you know, as you go higher and higher with anything, right, as you get to the pinnacle, it's so much harder to make gains. And so if you're just starting, you don't need all that stuff. But as you start to get your motor to a, you know, five watts per kilo, like, dude, it's so difficult to go any further without mechanical advantage. But I, so, but I reckon for you, Chris, it's like, it's the mentality of it where you like, if we're on the show and we're talking about, you know, better value for money things, you then have to be like, you, you, you've kind of lost that, that sort of privilege point of being like, I'm going to stand up for the value price point. It was like, well, you can't really say that now because you, you're rocking the top of the top of everything. Yep. So you've kind of lost the, the high ground there. Because I reckon I can still, because I'm on the rim break, I'm still on the team frame. I've held back. So I reckon I've got a bit more cachet in the uh, value. Yeah, but I'd argue you can do that because you're fitter than me. You don't <laughs> need to go down this rabbit hole. Like I, I, I can genuinely say to you, I remember that on the way out to this crit thinking, shit, I haven't worn my skin suit. Like, and that was like, I was genuinely there going, oh, I'm going to get dropped tonight because I'm not wearing my skin suit. I'm wearing a jersey and bibs. Like that's, that's actually my mindset at the moment. I'm sorry, but I wish I could do something about it. Well, you lost. You lost. I've lost. You've, become, you've become what you once hated. I have. I have. And I need to move on. Have I become a snob? How can I potentially turn this around? I don't know if I can. Let me know. Are you a snob? Out yourself. Let us know. Well, this was up this so this topic came from from you you were asking dan and i you know what i got lean here you know i've been in the gym a bit you know all looking good but just it's a flat it's a there's nothing there it's a chopping board i was expecting some lines to come up and then it brought up the question well how come cyclists can get lean and yet not have a six-pack Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's the go here? Theories? These are all going to be theories, by the These way. These are going to be theories. And I will premise all of this with body image stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yes, we are not saying everyone needs a six-pack, et cetera, et cetera, or be, to be lean and go starve yourself and do any of that. This is just a fun sort of observation. But, yeah, like 100%. So I don't know. I, I honestly feel like I could do anything. I got down to like 8% body fat. I'm in the gym doing core workouts and I'm getting nothing. Well, I, I'll say this fact that I'm repeating so I don't know if it's 100% true, but I – heard it from a bodybuilder uh, that there are more millionaires than people with six packs. So statistically speaking, if you have a six pack, you are rarer than be, like, there's a higher chance that you would be a millionaire. So like, I, I, I know that body image, like you had said, okay, cool. But achieving a six pack is so freaking difficult for anyone that it is such a badge of honor for yourself that you went through the discipline and the work to achieve it. Um, but it's almost impossible to hold on to this like perfect six pack and be healthy. So like when you look at all these bodybuilders that get it, they all say my testosterone is in the tank. I have no hormones. I can't sleep. I can't get it up. My body's ravished. You know, I'm hungry all the time. Yo, but look at this shredded. And it's like, okay, so that's not really a sign of performance, right? It sounds it like is, any up-and-coming cyclist. At least yeah. the fitness person has a six-pack to show for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but dude, do you see their Whopper Kilo? So, uh, okay, I, for my whole life, wanted a six-pack and got, I mean, just like this. Like, it's so frustrating to work out so much when you when you see people go to the gym they're like i went to the gym for 45 minutes twice a week and i'm jacked and it's like asshole i ride six hours a day you know what i mean seven days a week and what do you mean like i got a little bit of flab like that's so <laughs> that's exactly. and then i don't even have i don't even have big legs you know what i mean like dude but i will say and i sent you some pictures uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're in my, in, yeah, so in December, nothing. in December, I, I do this, like train, like a pro type thing, uh, where I, I just turn my life inside out. I make a video a day. And anyways, one of my goals that, um, in 2022 in December was to get a six pack. So I hit up this guy, Chris Elkins, who is the world champion, natural bodybuilder gets tested, not on, not on the juice. His physique looks exactly what you would think a natural bodybuilder would look like. I mean, he's jacked, but it's not, he's not a mutant. And so I said, Hey, how do I do this? And he goes, it's super simple. Be in a one to 200 calorie deficit per day and get in one gram of protein per body pound. That's it. And I was like, that can't, that's so stupid, simple. There's no way that would happen that, but I did, I started tracking all my calories. Like to the, to the number, right? I mean, I was, I was so religious about it and it was uncomfortable being in a caloric deficit. Wasn't fun. Um, but it wasn't an, it wasn't like I had to keep my muscle. So one to 200 calories, 
that's sustainable, right? You're not starving yourself. You're just not full. And within three weeks, all of a sudden I saw this, like what looked like six pack. And I was like, I've been trying to get this for my whole life. And then my wife was even like, what the hell is happening? Like, why do you have a six pack now? And so I stuck with it for about six weeks and man, I got absolutely shredded. So let's, let's go, let's go theories. Uh, you're right, Tyler, in that if you're going and riding eight hours, it's super catabolic. That is the worst way to try and hold on to muscle is to go ride your bike for eight, 14 hours, whatever it is. So just because you're lean and like, it sounds really simple, but like your abs are a muscle. So if you're saying, well, how come this guy who's in the fitness industry is 5% higher body fat still has abs? It's because he's actually got muscle there. We have literally nothing. Like a cyclist who doesn't go to the gym and doesn't train those muscles needs to get hideously lean so that you can actually see it. So that's obviously like pretty obvious. And the other thing is just like, I, I'm not sure and I can't really find much evidence but it is a potential theory. I think that you even threw out, Chris, was like when you're endurance training, is your body going to have a higher propensity to store fat around your trunk, around your core, around your stomach, as opposed to around your legs? Because, um, yeah, because you're using your legs, you have a better um, use of your intramuscular fat. Does that somehow change how you're storing fat when you then put a bit of weight on? Maybe, I don't really know if there's any evidence for that, but that's, yeah, another another potential one there yeah and then the last thing was just like just the shape when you get lean even if you don't have any arm muscle if you're lean you still look muscular in your arms and in your forearms even if you've got skinny cyclist arms just because the muscle kind of sticks out in those places and you could be the same body fat percent across your stomach but just because of how the muscle sits there's no um there's no blood vessels really across your stomach. So you can have like a veiny arm that looks kind of lean and same body fat percent across your stomach. But because there's no blood vessels there, you don't get the veins. It's never going to look as impressive if you don't have any muscle there. So I think there's, there's an illusion probably effect going on as well. Well, I'll say that Jasper, uh, he came from BMX and he, the first time I met him, uh, he had a six pack. He had an eight pack. And I was like, what the hell? And, uh, and he was, he was jacked and, uh, and I was like, oh bro, you're on roids for sure, <laughs> you know, but like, it was really weird to ride with him. And then it was like this alpha beta thing. I'm like, God, this guy has a six pack, you know, like I, it was really weird. Um, and so anyways, he, he definitely has one, but he came from explosive, uh, an explosive sport, right? So where we're just slow burn all the time. You know, I don't think that we ever give our bodies the ability to have like hyperphagy, right? Or, or whatever that is to where the muscles grow. But I will say, you put those pictures up uh, with it within a four week period. Hey, I got hmm. myself pretty lean, dude, at, with, with a visible six pack. And now it's very hard to maintain. And I will say that coming from the plant-based side of things, I always thought I got enough protein until I started tracking it. And I was like, dude, getting 150 to 170 grams of protein in per day, that's real food, is a full-time job. Like that was so hard to do. And then, then you then you have to, you get it within the calorie, right? So like if you're 220 pounds and you're a bodybuilder, well, your calorie window is way higher, 
right? So I, if I don't ride, I burn 2000 calories. How are you going to get 150 grams of protein within 2000 calories? Like it's so difficult. And so then now I got to ride a ton. I got to burn 4,000, 5,000 calories in a day to like eat enough, you know, but then now you're, you're riding so much that all you're doing is bringing in carbs. You know what I mean? It's, it's really, it's really hard. That pretty much describes how my vegan life <laughs> descended into Chris's uh, iron transfusion because he had no iron left because he completely forgot about eating protein for a year and his body decided to shut down. Yep. That's yeah. Sounds like you've got it a bit more together than I did. Well, the, so the other thing as well, this just on the six pack is, you know, we're, we've all got a bit of a lighter skin complexion. I mean, that is, that is ghostly white on there and that, that doesn't help either. So maybe we need to hit up the, the melanotan the or the solarium or get a bit of color going on because that always does help, doesn't it? This would be good. We're going to really trigger a few people. We're talking body image and now we're also talking about hitting cosmetic surgery and uh, sunbeds. So yeah, that's ticked enough boxes, I reckon. All right, so we got uh, vegans, one of the biggest cycling channels on YouTube. Chris is one of the smallest. So we got, uh, if you're getting some cash to run your channel from sponsors, seems like there's two pathways coming up now. You've got just the Lantern Rouge style ad read. They pay you cash, you read an ad in the middle of a video and you do whatever you want. Or you've got the the brand sponsorship where they give you money to assist, to, to give you money and to help you make better videos. And then you're featuring in some way, their product on your channel. We saw that with Charles. We may recently got sponsored by Felt Bikes and they're going to support his YouTube channel to, to make videos. So they're the two different ways. What are, you, what are your takes on them? What would you prefer? How do you think it ends up? Look, everyone's different and everyone has a different level of what they are after. So I can't stand ad reads because it interrupts my story. Uh, I'm a very story-driven content creator. And so if I'm doing some kind of, you know, breakdown um, of something else or reviewing something, that feels easy to drop that stuff in. But a lot of times I'm trying to tell like a, a hero's journey or a story arc. And if I'm like in the middle of it, I have to say, you know, speaking of my leg being broken, this is brought to you by Manscaped, which shaves my legs, even though it's broken. And it's like, ugh, right, that, that pains me to interrupt the story. And so um, now that has cost me 100,000 a year plus. So I mean, that, 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 I don't mean that as a flex, but I have left so much money on the table, both in paid you know, relationships with brands that said, hey, this is the kind of content we need from you. We need you to, to, to plug this, this product, yada, 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 or ad reads. And I just, it's, just can't stand it. Um, I would much rather feel good and proud about what I produce much later on in my life because this isn't something where I'm doing to dry, just try to make a quick buck. Uh, so, I, I look, I disagree actually, and this is just again, everyone's different. Blah blah blah, and maybe this is because I've come through the team stuff where we had to do the sponsor, the sponsor brand sponsored stuff. And obviously the audience was tiny, but, you know, we still had to tick boxes for brands for the, the, the cycling team, okay, and that's what they wanted. But I just think, okay, personally, I just think I'm shit at it and also I think I'm kind of 
I'm fake at it. And what what gives me the right to tell anyone what's good about a bike, even if I do believe that time gave me a bike and I was able to to do some content on it, like what gives me the authority to talk about this? And and I totally hear what you're saying about your stuff being story related, but I would probably push back on you and just say that, you know, you're already at a level where, you know, your story already reaches and the storytelling is so good that it reaches so many people. I'm not at that level. I need something that cuts through, right? No way. No, no way. You're in the, you, you and Tyler are the same in terms of your, like your, especially the videos you make, I would feel really weird if there was an ad read in it because it's about you're not the analytical side of things. You're, you're, you are a, you're a, story, you're a junior storyteller. You're an up-and-coming storyteller. So cool. for you, it makes sense on your channel to be just getting support to make better videos and then feature those products in there. Um, and I would actually say, if anything, some of the – so that Charles We May, who's got sponsored by Felt, his, some of his biggest videos are like uh, – one of the ones that stand out is like he bought 15 different pairs of bib shorts and tested them. It's on like over 100,000 views, right? So why does Felt Bikes giving him money help support a video? It makes no sense. So for an ad read for channels that are doing videos like that, I'm like, yep, all for it. But you two, you guys are definitely more down the – the um, support by brand. I, I'd be interested to hear you on this, on this, Tyler. But like, I so there was this one comment that really it hit me last week, mate. It really got into me, and it was like, I think it was, it was something along the lines of like, what gives you the authority, Chris, to do a review? Like, like you caught, you think you're, you're, you're um, pure as the driven snow, or whatever. What gives you the authority to, to do a review? You give shit all these other people doing it, and that's kind of hit me because I'm like, maybe he's right. Like I don't have a certificate to do a review. So then I, I kind of maybe feel like what I say could be fake in a way. Like do you find, okay, do you find that you're sold out? Is that is that a, is that a thing that you deal with? I hate the word sell out so very much and I want to punt baby kittens when people call me a sellout. Because like I said, I've left so much money on the table and dude, have you ever watched regular TV? Dude, it is one minute of shit content followed by five minutes of the dumbest ads I've ever seen. And so then I give someone absolutely brilliant content and and the fact that I, I don't even say anything. And then somehow someone's like, yeah, but Canyon pays you. Okay, dude, like you don't understand what, what what's behind all this. And so I, I hate that. And then again, GCN can do an ad, a 20 minute ad every single day, seven days a week. It literally says ad in the thumbnail and they don't get any pushback, you know, but I'm like, Hey, I really like oval rings. I've been running them for two years. Haven't spoken about them, but I get comments about people going, how do you like the oval rings? So I say, I like them. And it's like, oh, sell out, dude. He's sponsored by Rotor. Okay, so this is how I think about this, is that you either are going to go one of two ways. One, you're going to be a dedicated reviewer, and you are going to dive into the specs of this thing like a professional, and you're going to, be, you're going to present unbiased uh, specs and content. Okay, this bike weighs this much. This bike weighs that much. I'm going to compare the two. I'm going to give you the differences, right, and let you sort of come to the conclusion uh, on your own. 
right? But then there is the opinion. And Chris, as a ex-pro racer and someone who's probably ridden 50 different bikes in their, their life, I would be really interested in your personal take and your opinion on something, right? So as long as you frame it that way, this is my opinion. If you don't like it, eat shit, but this is my thoughts on it. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, right? Like yeah, I would someone... be really interested in hearing Brad Pitt say like his thoughts on a bike. You know what I mean? Cause that's like, whoa, like I want to hear what he has to say about this. But if you're, yeah, but that's, if, if you're getting, if you're, spo- you're going down the sponsorship by getting direct brand deal kind of thing, you are, you are kind of, you are kind of a, like you are a sellout essentially because you're, the brand's paying you to make videos. Whereas like, if you do want to be, go more the objective side and do the, the less opinion, more review stuff, you kind of have to just do ad reads because you can't really get caught a sellout if you're selling a ball shaver so, when you're making videos about okay. bikes. I, I tried to get sponsored by, by Factor after I bought the, the bike, okay? Tried to get sponsored by them, but they wanted me to do reviews. They wanted me to do that type of, that type of content. Um, that wasn't enough for me to just use their product in my story. It wasn't enough for me to, to go do the Snowy Classic in, on their bike and maybe use a throwaway line like the, the bike climbed really well. I had to do standalone, here's, here's my bike. This is the Factor Ostro Vam. It's size 54 and it weighs this much and I, and I really like it because it right. No, no, they would never have written in a thing to say you have to say positive things about it. But, you know, if I was going to get paid by them, I'm sure it would have been in the back of my, of my brain. And that's, I know, that was my pushback because I, I sit here, right, and I'm thinking, you know what would be much easier? It would be way easier than going down all that rabbit hole and being a fake pretend person is to drink a can of Red Bull. Red Bull is my favorite drink and I would like you all to drink Red Bull. Go visit redbull.com.au for future Red Bull. Like, imagine and get back that to your thing. video. Yeah. But that's what I mean. That's why, That'd to awesome. me, just, just do that. Yeah. Like, I'd love I, to do that. That's much better but, personally. Yeah. But you are a frother. Chris, I am a Let's, frother. That's the you, you, If you could get sponsored by Mosaic Titanium Bikes and you could rock around that, you'd love it. This is the problem. You'd eat it up. So I think you'd go this brand sponsorship route just because it, it looks cooler. 100%. And we, we, we chatted about this with me being a snob. I, I, I have accepted the fact that I am a snob and that, you know, I would like this, all the shiny brands will come at me with my, uh, you know, tiny following and, and give that to me. And even I'd probably only do ad reads for, you know, Red Bull. Okay, so I'll say this, that if, if I could have done it all over again, I would have figured out a way to make it a uh, ongoing joke or some sort of component to my brand where I make these outrageously dumb ad reads uh, and it's so apparent that it's an ad read, right? And then like I, I start and end the little sequence with like a, a cash register sound, you know, ching okay, we're gonna make some bank right now because this company is paying me, you know, blah, 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 drink sparkling water, ching okay, we just paid the bills. Back to the story, right? Like something so obvious about it like i feel like that would be funny um and and make it funny but the thing I is that like- you have to chase these brands all the time you have to have a new a new brand all the time and that feels disingenuous how so as someone who's sort of worked with both tyler 
what's worth because to me it's way it, it sounds much easier to just make your own video and just plonk an ad read in there somewhere how is that what's the monetary side like is it are you getting both like is it similar money for both or do you get more money if you really align yourself with a single brand and align them in every yeah, video so definitely way more lucrative to align yourself with one brand for a multi-year deal um you know because these ad reads they are they already know what they're going to pay you they go they'll so what they'll do is they'll take your last five to seven videos they'll get a mean average view count they'll say this is what google is charging us for like you know views or impressions and then they'll give you an ad rate and sometimes depending on your success of your videos you'll get paid $200 or you'll get paid $1,000. And sometimes you can push back and you can say, um, I want $2,000 to do this ad read or throw, you know, but no one's going to pay you some crazy amount, or at least in this industry. So look, is 750 bucks to do an ad read? Is that like good? I mean, if you're making three videos a week, okay, that's not bad, um, but it has to fit in somehow. Now here's my pushback is that it's not good because as soon as you do an ad read, I hit that double skip. Boom, 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 boom. I'm all, I, like, let me just pass this. So then the brand doesn't even get what they are after. Uh, but so if I did ad reads only, I would have to then produce more content because the way my content is, it's a little longer form. It, it comes out less frequently. And so, you know, I've been able to, my deal with Canyon is, is really amazing. Um, and I, but I've worked really hard to, to make sure that that is, is that way. Um, and so I don't know, it's, it's different. I've talked to other creators, you know, like everyone wants to complain from their side of the fence. Ah, oh, dude, I wish I had long-term partners like you. And I'm like, ah, I wish I had quick paychecks like you. Yeah, but no one really cares. The audience doesn't care. Give us the content no. more, please. Mm. This is it. That's interesting take. That, uh, not take, but just yeah, th thought there around like, how does that then you know if you're doing if you're just doing ad reads, you got to just pump out so many videos. Whereas yeah, maybe maybe a, a slightly biased video because you've got a brand deal, but if that's more entertaining, then you know the viewer might like it better. Just on the content stuff. All right, so. Two, three of us were kind of chatting a bit, bit about this thumbnails, right? It's like the biggest ball ache of any piece of content every single time you make a video. Uh, I wanted to, so it's like you, you there, you've got these stupid faces. Okay, the way I do it is like I'll look through some of the other videos that I see online that are popping up on like, you know, YouTube, what's coming out to me. And normally, right, normally they're these videos with like the main presenter or the main subject person like with a facial expression. So you're right. Okay, right. Liz, can you come over? We're going to take some thumbnail photos. <laughs> and so there I am. I stand there against the wall and I'm there with my, <laughs> all these stupid ass face things. And eventually you come up with something. And so my, my photo library is full of these ridiculous, like facial reaction stuff. Surely you boys have got a few. Oh, it's the height of cringe. It's yeah. the worst. So and then the other thing you do is if, if not taking a photo, you kind of like go into the camera, like, and you just sort of hold a position. And we did this last week. We were like, okay, we need some like bits for the thumbnail. So you kind of like, oh, let's do a laughing one and an, and an angry one. 
and you kind of go through that and it's every video it's 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 really disgusting it's i hate it so i've been uh listening to a ton of mr beast stuff and the, i mean the guy like really knows his shit and he says that the thumbnail is the most important piece that you should start with a thumbnail and work your way that way like you you don't even know what the story like create a really good thumbnail and then make that make a video from that thumbnail and so then he said uh also i saw that if your thumbnail is more than 50% green it it, it is like a 75% increase in click through but dude dropping my dumbass face and then making my eyes bigger or making my head bigger like outlining myself that hurts my soul <laughs> Oh, I reckon I can find a oh, few yeah. in your back catalog. <laughs> I remember there's that one. I think you did a sunglasses review. Surely there's some great <laughs> B-roll of that. Dude, so that one, that sunglass and the helmet review. So talking about oh, reviews, yeah. one, I did that because I, it was sponsored by Competitive Cyclist so that they sent me all of that stuff. So then there was no tie to any one of the companies. And I felt really good about, this is the only time I've ever done reviews. I felt totally free to say whatever because I wasn't being paid by POC or by Specialized or by Oakley. It was by competitive cyclists. And they said, say whatever you want to say, just use the products we sell on our site. And so then I did this like four sunglasses uh, on my face and then the helmets, I like duct taped all the helmets to my head. Um, some Chinese like Amazon manufacturers took those images and dude, I was being used as ads all over the internet, all like Facebook ads, you know, it, it was like, and there was nothing you could do about it, but people were like, Hey, are, why are you promoting these Chinese helmets? I'm like I'm not. And then, but there was my face because the thumbnail was good. All right. Let us know down below guys. Are we all sellouts? What direction should we take? Should we go the ad read style or more incorporate brands in there? And what is the worst thumbnail, the cringiest thumbnail you have seen on the channel? Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you VC for joining us this week. It's been pretty immense. We'll see you all real soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry 
So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 